This is Hope FM. Yeah, that's YouTube there, and still haven't found what I'm looking for. Welcome along to this edition of Community Now with myself and Ian. And Ian, who is our guest today? Well, Community Action Network, of course, is a feature that we do every single month. So we're delighted to talk about the work that they do uh, for CAN. Um, it's very easy to drop into that and talk about CAN. But for people that are listening who've never, ever heard of it, uh, we'll talk about the Community Action Network. And joining with us this morning is Avril Atkins. And we're delighted that you could come along. So welcome to the studio. Thank you. Um, so for people that don't know anything at all, about Community Action Network. Let's tell them something about the key things that you try to do. Okay. Um, well, Community Action Network is a local infrastructure charity. Um, we've been supporting the voluntary and community sector for over 50 years. Um, we've got three key teams, the Empower Team, the Enable Team and the Connect Team. Um, and each of them has a, a specific purpose within the organisation. Um, I'll talk about the Enable Team first, basically, because they offer a wide variety of opportunities across BCP. Um, they have a brilliant volunteering hub, so anybody who wants to volunteer um, can go onto our website and use our volunteering hub. Um, also, organisations advertise their, um, their volunteering opportunities through us as well. Um, so um, historically we've run, uh, they have run things like the uh, vaccination programmes and they'll be doing some more of those very shortly I was there when they were doing that at the BIC I, I was taking somebody I've actually not been vaccinated <laughs> and uh, it looked like a sea of them uh, on, on the premises it was so impressive it was with amazing. your little bibs on as yes. well yeah, yes it looked great <laughs> so yeah uh, but they're not the only ones we've also got about four, uh, 200 volunteering opportunities is available to people who, who want to take part. They're running a number of events very shortly, which um, some of your listeners might be interested in, which is like the drop-in sessions. They're taking pa- uh, place in the libraries. So we've got a couple in Hamworthy Library, another one in Bournemouth and Springbourne, and also in some in the community centres. But if people want to find out about that, they can go onto our website and look up when those dates are, are going to occur. Um, and the Enable team are also um, organising some uh, wonderful volunteering fairs where you can pop along and have a chat with them and find out more about uh, what they're doing so so that's great so go along and have a, lot, a little word with some of um, our great Enable team uh, we've also got a team called Connect and uh, with the Connect team they facilitate things like networking and communicating across so that the voluntary and community sector get their voice heard out and, and are able to influence things uh, um, across um, BCP so um, they do all sorts of things they do community in the spotlight which is quite a new project this promotes the valuable work of the voluntary sector and because the voluntary sector actually contribute about 158 million pounds in respect of the the um, the work that they do mm-hmm. um, it give, they also give much deserved shout outs for to raise the profile across social media and websites to recognize achievements of things like um, the community heroes in spotlight they do things like um, other promotion like they've got a new project um, which is all about the can well-being collaborative 
Um, that works with the council, NHS charities and the community groups and they, they help develop a new approach to helping people stay safe and well at home because um, not everybody has a friend or family to help them when, when they leave hospital. So that's a, a great service they provide there and they work in partnership with the University College Hospital in Dorset and uh, BCP Adult Social Care. Um, and so, a lot of charities as well. So, so just can just work in the BCP area? Well, I was leaving my project till the end, actually, <laughs> because um, um, in the um, empowering team, that's sort of split into two halves. We've been operating in the BCP area for over 30, uh, 50 years now. And uh, Steve works in that area and he's got 30 years experience in the voluntary community sector, which is which is massive. Mm-hmm. He's well known. Um, and we applied for funding when the bid came out for Dorset Council. And we were l- lucky enough to be successful on that. And we're now offering a very similar service across the Dorset area as well. So um, we provide one to one support. Um, that can be via Teams or telephone call or just a basic email, just answering a basic email to support the community. And that can cover all sorts of topics such as setting up your charity or changing the charity structure or uh, charity governance, employment law, uh, things like um, monitoring evaluation, equalities and diversity and also policies and procedures because all charities seem to need some support with doing their policies and procedures. So we cover safeguarding, health and safety, um, equality and diversity all sorts of things we can also conduct charities so that they can go and conduct their own charity health checks to see things that they need to improve and we can advise on things like risk assessments and skill audits that's just to name a few is a massive load of things we also provide um, free webinars and training events which any voluntary organisation in the area can can join us and they uh, cover things such as financial governance or uh, being a charity trustee and also essential policies and procedures is one that's always popular and basic startup things like that and we hold meet the funder events because we link in quite well with um, the funders who people like the lottery, um, Dorset Community Foundation, um, Communities Against Cancer, and also the grants that Dorset Council give out. So um, we invite the funders in, and they'll deliver a very short presentation about what the fund is about and who can apply. And then um, you can actually ask the funders your own specific questions. They give you tips and hints of how how to apply so that's really useful because if you're applying to that fund you get that extra competitive advantage so to speak so you do a lot of things and you it obviously involves volunteers in a big way obviously mm-hmm. lots of experience as well over many years um, but in the last few years do you think volunteering has increased I think it has. I think specifically um, since COVID, obviously people were furloughed and a lot of people when they were furloughed wanted to be keeping themselves busy and do things. And there was lots of opportunities to volunteer and people have kept that up. Um, Also, it's made people think it's sort of, I think it's raised the profile of volunteering, to be quite honest, because um, prior to that, um, you know, you didn't hear so much, but, uh, you know, during furlough, a lot of people talking about that. I worked in a um, food 
charity during that time and we had people like airline pilots coming and helping us <laughs> which was amazing say what do you do they say oh you know, I was about normally to say, I fly an airplane is, <laughs> is there a profile of a person who will become a volunteer or is it just as mixed as the humanity in the country it's mixed as the humanity in the country yes oh. uh, absolutely everybody um, it's really interesting for young people it can be really beneficial because obviously um, if they're if they're at college or whatever it's useful to get something on their CV mm. For older people, it can provide an opportunity to engage with other people, um, keep themselves active if they're retired. You know, it's an opportunity to um, meet other people and not feel so isolated. So what's the oldest volunteer you've ever had? Oh, I don't I don't know, to uh, be totally honest. I'm sure I could find out and get back to you. All right. I think that's quite interesting. Because obviously people sometimes think, well, well, I'm past it. I can't do You're sort never of things past like it that. for volunteering. Yeah. No. So, so it crossed my mind that there should be probably some people in the community who are quite elderly who are volunteering in, in all sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people who retire volunteer because it gives some structure to your life as well mm-hmm. if you're volunteer. I once did an interview with William Hague, do you remember him? Mm -hmm. Who was the leader of the Conservative Party at the time and he said if you took the volunteers out of this country, the country would collapse. I think that's absolutely true. Uh, uh, So I think it reinforces the value of the work uh, that you do. Now you hinted about your particular project so do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Um, Yeah, well, uh, as well as doing the one-to-one support and the training and the webinars and the meet the funders, um, one of the things we wanted to do, because obviously we're we're moving out into Dorset now, so I'm covering the whole of Dorset, Um, also with my colleague Chris, and between us, me and Chris make up the Can Dorset team. So, and we work collaboratively as well with other funded Dorset services like Help and Kindness and also the Volunteer Centre in Dorset. And we have our Volunteer Centre who covers BCP and they cover Dorset so we all work very collaboratively together Um, but one of the things we wanted to do is we wanted to reach out into those communities and into isolated communities as well and reach small charities so we have organised a series of eight roadshows and in the roadshows what we've um, done we're we're going to eight different areas um, Portland we're also going to Wimborne and I'm just trying to think um, Bridport Sturminster Newton, Weymouth, Swanage, Dorchester, just name a few. And at each we're going to community centres in those in those areas and they're open to any voluntary organisation that wants to come and list what we have to say. We've divided the um, the roadshow into two halves. The first half will be presentations, so we'll do a little presentation explaining what CAN can offer and how we can support them to grow and thrive. And also um, we've allocated slots for all our other services in that area. So they can all come and have a, do a little slot for a presentation, explain what's what. And um, we've got um, key funders who are coming. So we have got people like, like the Lottery and like um, Dorset Council coming and telling us about their funds. And then after that, we have some light refreshments. We've got some stands and everyone can mingle around and do some networking and meet the funders face-to-face, meet us face-to-face and all our partners face-to-face and have a chat and we can um, also, they can let us know as well what other training they'd like us Mm. to provide because we're going to get that feedback from them and then we're going to structure our training provision for next year from what we get. 
And have you done those before? No, this is the first time because we've. Um, I've done similar things in other roles because I've worked in the charity sector for a long time. Um, but um, this is the first time we're doing them across door, uh, across doors. So, how many volunteers have you got in your portfolio, as it were? Um, I don't really know because I do the. Um, I actually run um, the Can Dorset team, mm. and I provide the services for the volunteer sector. But the but the uh, actual team does the volunteering is the enable team mm-hmm. so emma would be able to answer about that i don't know if you've got any idea no but we do ha- we have a an lot awful it lot. just crossed my mind that coordinating that amount of people mm-hmm. uh, for all the activities and different activities you've described must be uh, quite a managerial job in itself mm-hmm. well they have volunteer coordinators who do that specifically who ensure that we have enough people at the vaccination center to do with the amount of people we expect to come through and also at the other projects it is it is a job in its own right actually organizing the volunteers this is hope fm yeah that's pharrell williams and happy that's chosen by avril from the community action network um this morning and what can make you happier than giving up your time giving back to the community uh, with the Community Action Network, which isn't only the best friends for uh, brand new uh, charities and established charities been hearing about all the support that uh, Community Action Network gives, but also if you're looking to um, volunteer yourself. Avril, I was speaking to someone, it was exactly a week ago, um, who was telling me about their husbands coming up to uh, retirement age and was just trying to, f- didn't want to retire yet until they had a plan and that plan involved volunteering finding the right organization something to give to give um back to so if people are listening to this this morning and think yeah i want to start volunteering but i don't know what opportunities are available there are some volunteer fairs coming up that you've got some dates for yeah yeah that's great um yeah we've got three volunteer fairs starting this autumn so um we've got one in Druitt's hall in uh, christchurch that's on wednesday the 7th of september um from two till five we've got another one in bournemouth library on friday the 9th of september from 10 till one and the third one's in the spire in pool and that's in on thursday the 15th of september from 10 till one and we've got a host of organizations taking part in the fairs running across bcp so people like um the russell coates museum and art gallery and also high uh, highcliffe castle arts by the sea um, our can Cla- uh, collaborative will be in attendance as well and active dorset so that's just to name a few that will be there and people can just turn up and um, have a chat with our lovely coordinators there it's very friendly and informal and they can give them a wonderful insight into the vast array of volunteering opportunities that we can provide and of course there's going to be there's going to be a busy period coming up for the specific can volunteers themselves with the um the winter vaccine uh, mm-hmm. rollout as well so um yeah, um, if you were getting your vaccines down at, at the BIC or in any of the places and you were seeing all those peoples in those bibs, they're really, really helping run it, basically making sure that everything happened correctly. Yeah, it could possibly be you in a bib um, as well. In the coming months, uh, give something back. Excellent. And of course, people can find out all this information via CAN's website as well, which I believe is can100.org. 
org but um if you're not someone that does go um on the internet or has access to the internet you can always give us a ring here whenever we're live on air on hope fm on 01202 and we will point you in the right direction for those details as well and it's not like can is a stranger to community now here on hope fm you're with us every single month so we're looking forward to finding out about the latest updates again this time next month but it is time now avril to reveal this month's community action network community hero in the spotlight for the month of august is that is that the proper title it's something like that anyway <laughs> it doesn't completely roll off the tongue maybe uh, i got it wrong avril can tell us okay well i'm proud to say this month's community hero in the spotlight is the access to food partnership you're listening to community now on hope fm with keith jones bookshop serving the community for over 50 years visit keithjones.co.uk so congratulations to access to food partnership and we're delighted that we have Daisy Carr with us uh, this morning as well, who sat there very patiently, quietly, waiting for the big reveal. Uh, but now it's your turn. So uh, tell us a little bit about Access to Food Partnership. When did it start? Why did it start? Yeah, thanks, Ian. Um, so the Access to Food Partnership, it's a partnership between the community and voluntary sector, specifically projects who are supporting people with food, like food banks, um, community stores, pantries, community meals, all sorts of projects that are supporting people with food. And also um, the B- different departments from BCP Council, Community Action Network, um, Public Health Dorset, FaithWorks. So all of these organisations working together to make sure that people can access food all of the time. And um, it started uh, back in uh, April 2020, so obviously at the beginning of the pandemic, but lots of work was done before then as well. Great timing. So it was incredible timing, (laughs) absolutely amazing. And the pandemic really brought the purpose together. So getting everybody together to go, we need to be able to respond to this. But this isn't something that was just about the pandemic, because we were also recognising that even before then, there was a, people were um, struggling to access food and we wanted to work together to make sure that people could do that. So ever since um, April 2020 we've been meeting together regularly through our access to food forums and looking at the different ways that we can support people actually access food whether they're in a crisis situations through food banks and other projects that support people who are in a crisis moment all the way through to those projects that are helping people build resilience so uh, whether that's a community store that's offering subsidised shopping um, or it's uh, projects that are helping people build skills and confidence around cooking um, and uh, or even community fridges who are their whole purpose is all about reducing food waste but they're still supporting people with food um and uh, we wanted to kind of work together to create these food rich neighborhoods so it's all about making sure that anybody could access food within a 10 minute walk of where they live if they needed community food support and we wanted to share good information together so we've um, got the access to food map which is on um if you search on the bcp council website you can and you search access to food map you'll find it there and it's a mobile enabled um, map as well so you can just find it on your mobile and it's really easy and good to use Um, and we wanted to make sure that um, 
access to food was a real priority and a lot of strategic decision making across Bournemouth, Christchurch and Paul. So we're really wanting to wave the flag about how accessing food is really important for our uh, communities. And then amongst all of that, we want to make sure we have a really good, strong um, community food network as well. So we have regular forum meetings where we're getting everybody together and talking about the issues that everybody's facing. Um, We've distributed over £350,000 worth of funding in the last two years and made sure that we've got a really well-resourced network too. So you're there because there's a need. So can you identify how bad that need is in this area? Well, so at the moment, um, as as we know, the cost of living is rising and we're seeing more and more people um, having difficulty accessing food along with other um, bills and rent and mortgages and everything along those lines as well. And Back in 2019, there was a big piece of research that was done between BCP Council, Dorset Council and Public Health Dorset that was looking at um, what is the case of hidden hunger across Dorset mm-hmm. as a whole, as a whole county. And one of the things that they found was that um, around a quarter of the population were not able to afford the recommended shopping basket that the NHS... A quarter? A quarter. That's astounding. Um, so this recommended shopping basket that the NHS called, it's called the Eat Well Guide, but a quarter of people weren't able to afford that. So that's a really staggering number. So that's what kick-started the whole work of the Access to Food Partnership because of that recognition back in 2019, before the pandemic was even a thing, um, that this, this was something that we really needed to prioritise. And the only way we were going to really do something about this was by working together as a full network. And the involvement with the council, is that very strategic? Are they very much in- involved in supporting you in what you're trying to do because you're you're really becoming their hands and feet Mm. well so my role i'm the community food coordinator and i sit within the council so i'm in the communities team and back when uh, this piece of research was done it was um called uh uh, hidden hunger um research and so it was uh when that research was launched that was then um, there was a big event where lots of people came along and it was the then leader of the council who decided to commit to my role the community food coordinator being a post within the council that could respond to this and support the community and voluntary sector especially those projects who are supporting people with food so you took on a big role yeah how did it go well it was incredible so you know i the the work that we thought was going to take two years to do because of the pandemic and the purpose that that provided that all happened within six weeks of us starting like it works really really quickly because everybody knew we needed to get a job done so you know the network formed together really quickly um because we knew that we needed to work together through this pandemic um and that has continued ever since so obviously you know this post was originally a two-year post it's now been extended so we're going to be working together till 2025 and hopefully beyond that too um but it's yeah it's been quite an incredible journey that we've been on over the last two and a half years this is hope fm Yeah, that's the Beatles there, and with a little help from my friends, as chosen uh, by uh, Daisy from Access to Food Partnership, which are the Community Action Network's community hero in the spotlight for the month of August. Daisy, going from one crisis, Mm. like the pandemic, not fully out of it, but uh, more or less, jumping into another crisis, the cost of living and the spiralling prices 
that we're seeing. Unprecedented, really, back-to-back uh, crisis. The Guardian today on their front page was saying that a study saying that food banks around Britain have warned of a completely unsustainable surge in demand that may leave them having to turn people away mm. this winter. What are the what are the main top priorities that, on your list, on your whiteboards that you have with winter coming? Yeah. What are those priorities? Absolutely. Well, I think one of the main priorities is to treat this stage that we're going into with the rising cost of living as a as um much of a priority as we did with the pandemic as well to treat that in the same way so we have that crisis response that's here as well and we need to take this really seriously so with um, a lot of our community food settings what they're seeing is this big rise in demand so people coming to them needing support with food and lots of people who've never been in that situation before so this is a brand new thing for them and trying to navigate how you get through to um, the right support that helps them get out of a crisis situation so we've seen that rise in demand but we've also seen a drop in donations because people aren't donating in the same way that they would at the supermarkets in the um and the same way um and then also with a lot of our community food settings settings they're being uh, impacted by the cost of living crisis as well because they've got to make sure they're paying their bills to keep their fridges on to to pay volunteer expenses in terms of especially if they're doing deliveries of different food um parcels to different people so so they're seeing that impact too so one of our big priorities is making sure that um, we keep our um, community food projects really well supported during this time along with making sure that we're treating this um, you know the, the cost of living um, rising and in the same way that we treated the pandemic so that really coordinated response uh, and earlier on you talked about that um, shopping basket of mm. food the sort of balance so you've got to provide food but obviously the right sort of food because Absolutely. the nutrition bit is really quite important so uh, how do you juggle that that must be a challenge because people donate loads of things uh, but you've got to try and balance it so that people do get the nutrition they need yeah absolutely so our um our, our vision for the access to food partnership is that everybody can feed themselves and their family nutritious food all of the time and so um yeah i think that's a really key thing so we've done lots of pilots where we work it we get um community food projects like food banks working with their local businesses so they, they can provide vouchers for for fruit and vegetables for fresh um fresh meat and dairy products um where they're not able to stock them in store because especially with food banks they they work with ambient food so stuff that you could find in your store cupboards um but actually having that way that they can refer people and give um support to people with that fresh food um specifically and those pilots have worked really well and that's been down to the businesses and local grocers local butchers who've been working with their local community food project to make sure that people have access to this so those have been really important and also we've done lots of work and especially funding towards getting that fresh produce into community food settings themselves as well so i've spoken about food banks but also community stores those places that offer a subsidized shopping experience where you can go around and pick 10 items any 10 items that you want how can we make sure that that nutritious um, food is a part of that as well? So we've got four community stores around um, Bournemouth, Christchurch and Poole um, and they all stock different things. Some have freezers, some have fridges. And so how can we make sure that they're really well supplied as well? And of course, as Dan mentioned, talking about back to back crisis, what we're seeing here is the need that you're trying to fulfil 
it almost becomes an industry in mm. itself. Yeah. This is not a small activity. And if it's happening here, it's happening in other cities Absolutely. around the country as well. So it, it is a fairly major operation. So your role might be there for another 20 years. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, a lot of us, um, we want to be working ourselves out of a job, really. We're obviously, the main goal is to make sure everybody can feed themselves and their family nutritious food all of the time. Um, but at the moment, especially when we hit these um, uh, these moments, like we're, the times that we're in now, which are compl- can be completely unexpected, and even on an individual level, if someone has a crisis that they were not planning for, planning for or weren't expecting at all having that um, supportive network around people to be able to get them back on their feet is really important but obviously our main goal is to do ourselves out of a job so finally on that uh, what what are the things that people can do if they need help what tangible steps do they need to take so we um we've got three steps that we encourage everybody to take so um if you or your friends or a family member are struggling to afford food Um, Our first step that we encourage everybody to do is to look at how you can maximise your income. So that's through making sure that you're getting any benefits that you're entitled to, especially if you've not been in this situation before and this system might be new to you. Looking at what grants are available that you can access, especially with a lot of the government grants that are coming up at the moment. So with maximising income, the best um, group that you can talk to is Citizens Advice so we encourage everybody to connect with Citizens Advice especially their Worrying About Money um, programme um, Let's Talk About Money it's a great programme that they're running um, so that's the first step that we encourage people to do the second is to look at wraparound support so I think you know the key thing if you're um, struggling to afford food at the moment that's often a symptom of something else and we need to make sure that you're getting the support for the other areas that that might um, be uh, you might be encountering at the moment so that might be through friends and family it might be through a community that you're a part of if if you're working with social workers then they're a great person to talk to Um, and also um, as a there's a team of people called social prescribers so they sit with GP surgeries and um, they're non-clinical so they kind of uh, work with people one-to-one to look at all the other stuff that might be going on for you as well as any health issues but you don't have to have a health issue to talk to them um, and they can kind of take you through the steps of all the different support that's available so that wraparound support looking at the broader stuff and the third thing um, is then once uh, you've maximised your income you've got your wraparound support around you that's where we encourage you to look at food support so if you're in a crisis situation food banks brilliant but if you're um, might be pre that or post that you want to kind of build your resilience it might be around um, looking at that community store model or it might be looking at how you build your skills and confidence around cooking nutritious food um, all of those things uh, yeah we then encourage you to use the access to food map to find your nearest community food support so that's people who are who know they're going to be struggling, who are worried about the coming on. So what what message have you got for people who are in a very fortunate position who might not be worrying about Mm. where the food's coming from uh, this winter? What message have you got for them in order to for them to support their community? You mentioned rates and donations have dropped. Yeah. So, yes, absolutely. So there has been a drop in donations around um, 
for community food settings so we're coming up to harvest at the moment and you might be having harvest festivals so anything that you can do to raise um, uh, food donations within your communities that would be fantastic and give them to your local community food project again you can find where your local community food project is on the access to food map Um, if you're able to give financially to your local community food setting that would be greatly appreciated because whatever income they get in they are then able to buy the food that they might have uh, see gaps around um, if you have time giving time uh, donations that might be volunteering with a community food project or it might be um, checking in on your neighbours and having those conversations about food how are you doing for, for food at the moment um, what did you have for dinner last night those kinds of questions and making sure that um, the community that you have around you whether that's your neighbours um, in, in whatever setting that is uh, your family then please do just uh, check in on people and make sure they're this is Hope FM. of words I could say, but I will still tell you one thing we're better together. Yeah, certainly are. Jack Johnson there and Better Together, a song chosen by Daisy from Access to Food Partnership Cairns Community Action. Here are in the spotlight for the month um, of August. Daisy, how do people find out um, information about their local food banks, about those community fridges and everything else in between? Yeah, so you can go to the Access to Food map, which um, if you want the direct URL, that's bcpcouncil.gov.uk forward slash access to food map. Or if you just put it into any search engine. I've just put it into Google and searched access to food map and it comes up with the information and there's a Brilliant. link on there that brings up so people thinking oh I don't want to download an, another app for my phone no need. it's actually b- browser based yes. so it's just there on the browser which will work on a phone or if you don't have a smartphone it'll work on um, a PC or, or laptop as well or maybe one of your friends or family and it's really easy to use it shows you everything that's available um, in the area so that's good nice. job on those app developers uh, <laughs> for that it's always good when you have a working app it's just been road tested during that song so I can uh, sort of suggest that yeah it works and um it will give you all the information there that you need and avril if people want to know more about can and the projects that are coming up in the future yep they, they can go to the can website and the email address for that is www.can100.org Great. Well, thank you both of you for coming in. Fascinating stories, huge amount of information to cram into one hour. But do visit those websites. Make sure that you can pick up the information. And if you need help, don't forget that there are people there to help you. Don't feel alone because there are people in this BCP area who are there to support you in all sorts of ways. So thank you again for coming in. Thank you for having us. This is Hope FM.